What's up, party people? Welcome to Ditch the Ick, a podcast all about navigating dating, career, and honestly, life in general as a millennial. I'm your host, Katie Carson, 30-something avid dater and entrepreneur. What's up, party people? Welcome to Ditch the Ick. Today, I am joined by Michelle Kanan. Michelle, how are you doing today? I'm super psyched to be here. Thank you. I am so excited to have you. We're going to have some really good conversations, but before we dive in, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Michelle Kanan or Keenan, however you want to pronounce it, but I'm known as the Have It All Queen, which is basically one of my favorite nicknames ever. Um, I'm the founder of the Have It All Method, and I've been called the secret weapon for high achieving women who just want the best in life, the best in their relationships, in their careers, as moms, as women in the world. But most importantly, it has to feel good. So the things I teach are how to stop sacrificing, how to never compromise and always get what you want, how to never feel guilty. So many of the trappings of the conditioning of being a woman in this world, because I want every woman to be deeply satisfied as you reach your next level of professional and personal success. There's so much to unpack just in that. As a former burnt out high achiever with ADHD, which we've discussed, I I was so excited to have you on to talk through all of this because I do think that there's a lot of stigma and stereotypes around women who decide not to sacrifice, decide to stop sacrificing their own needs. And I feel the cliche has been really popular lately of you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first. And I feel like everybody talks about it, but nobody does it. And I'd love to hear from you. What are some ways that like that can manifest itself? What are some of the signs that you're sacrificing and not honoring your needs and how to stop doing that? What are some tips? I like to make things really tangible and actionable and really simple. So the most basic guidance I can give on that is it either feels good or it doesn't. And that's a litmus test. And the more we can pay attention to ourselves, the more connected that we can be on every level, whether it's mentally or physically or energetically, the more space we can create and the deeper we can create a relationship with ourselves in that space, the more we can actually listen to the signs that are always there, right? Because if you dig deep down, if you really look, you know what's good for you, you know what's right for you, you know what you really want. We've just been conditioned to disassociate and to ignore and to stay really busy with other stuff because a a woman or a person that is going to honor themselves is going to be inconvenient, (laughs) is going to be edgy, is going to push buttons, Uh, is not just someone that goes along with the flow, goes along with the system. But that's a choice that we have to make, whether we want to live the way that everybody else is doing things and sacrifice what might be true or right or good for us, or whether we're ready to actually own who we are, what we want, how good it gets to be and make choices based on that. I love that. And I think that is, I feel like a shift that has been happening among women, especially the millennials and Gen X, right? I feel like a lot of us spent the first part of our adult lives doing what we thought we were supposed to do or trying to fit into that and sacrificing and not honoring our needs. And I think a lot of us in recent months, at least, have realized we don't we're tired of that. We're over it. We're ready to be our full selves and do the things that bring us joy and light us up. And 
not have to compromise on that. And it's just honestly, the reason that we all do that is because we've been blueprinted to do that. Our mothers did it and continue to do it. Uh, Our families, like society is just so normal. And it's like that phenomenon, like when you're born into a cage, like you think that's the whole world, but door is open. We can do anything that we (laughs) want to do. And it's up to us to decide that we want to do it. I think what you just said is like hits the nail on the head. I feel like our gener, like these two generations are like a sandwich generation where many of us, if you have kids, have been raising our kids differently and been like more emotionally supportive. And like a lot of us have been to therapy to like work through our shit, whereas our parents definitely didn't. And I feel like we're just in this really weird middle ground when it comes to that because we were raised that way, but we know that's not what we want or how we want to show up. And then also you've got to add to that, like there's a trauma bond that happens there, right? Like when you decide that you're going to do things different, all of the people that didn't give themselves that option or continue not to, it's going to activate them there. And so living in the same pain, perpetuating the same generational trauma, it's something that connects you. It's something that builds relationship and keeps family going. There's great <laughs> traditions, but some traditions are like, we don't need to do that shit anymore, but yeah. we're still doing it. So it's really understandable. I want for anyone that's listening to understand that, sure, this is easy and fun to talk about, but to actually enact that kind of change, it's going to it's gonna bring stuff up. Now, does it always have to be like, super heavy and super scary and like right healing is such a big healing like (laughs) it can also be fun too and it really Mm -hmm. creates like new opportunities oh I didn't know you could do things like that oh I didn't know it could be so fun oh I didn't know it could be so easy and that's the way that I like to play that's what I like to do with my clients I love that because I feel like the just even the thing of I didn't know that was something somebody could do is so freeing because I know like I started my entrepreneurial journey like a year and a half ago. And I was like, I didn't know this whole world existed of all of these things I could do that aren't killing myself at a job that's super toxic. And just that when a friend of mine who had taken the leap first opened my eyes to that, it was like, oh, holy crap. I didn't even know this was possible. And once you see that, it starts to like open other things for you too. Yeah, that's a, a concept called being around expanders or paying attention to expanders. Because again, it's the status quo. It's so easy to look around and see reinforced all the things that aren't working and the things that people struggle with. But that's why the, something like the Me Too movement could be so popular. A, because first of all, it totally sucks that some things like that happen to so many people. Right. But it's just easy to say, Me Too, I've been there. I understand you. We're all in this together. The edge is, okay, now what? Not just for me too, but just as a woman in general, like how do I make sure that I get what I want, that I speak my truth, that I set healthy and amazing boundaries, that I can communicate, that energetically, like I am respected, I am seen, like I know my worth. And I I find that what that is with in the work that I do with my clients is it's really this energetic shift into something that I call your empowered matriarch energy. And that has nothing to do with whether or not you're a mom or anything, but it's just that next level feminine leadership where you get to evolve from all these things are happening to me and I'm just 
trying to survive, right? To, okay, all this shit might be going on, but this is who I am and this is who, how I live and these are my rules and this is what I'm standing for. And it's also, it's just like a personal activism. That's the way that I think about it. I like that because I think too, like we've been conditioned as women, we tend to fight for everybody else, but we very rarely like advocate for ourselves and getting empowered like that and having that stance and coming from that place is truly like life-changing. I like what you say about that feminine leadership. Can we, I want to dive into that a little bit because especially in my career, I have worked in a lot, almost all industries are male dominated, but I've worked in a lot of really male dominated places. I worked in the federal government, the CIA. I worked at McKinsey and Company and performance marketing, which is nothing but bros. And so I have not had a lot of opportunity to see like healthy, healthy leadership, first of all, healthy feminine leadership as well, or even just like women in leadership. So what does that look like? First of all, I would say that I wouldn't want to stereotype it. I think that a lot of us were, or I'll speak even even for myself, like raised with magazines like Cosmopolitan, where there was this like feminine beauty ideal, like on the cover. And there was like every month, like lessons on how to be a woman and how to be attractive and how to please men and all that kind of stuff, you know, how to keep your man, how to, (laughs) yeah, all of that. A lot of information on that in my brain, a lot of old information. I think for each of us, it's a matter of understanding like what our unique feminine essence is, like who we are, what feels right for us. And and notice that I'm using the word feel because for the feminine, it's a lot about the quality of, of being. It's about sensual states and that doesn't have to do with sexuality. It just has to do specifically with being in your senses, with being in the moment, with being able to hold things, to feel things, to process things, to be connected to your emotions, to a whole different kind of energetic wisdom versus Mm -hmm. the way that most things, especially when you're in corporate America, and I spent over a decade myself in corporate America, learning those rules, learning how I needed to show up and what I was supposed to wear and not supposed to wear and say and not supposed to say, and was my hair allowed to be curly or not? And just learning a whole different set of rules and structures for being successful and moving ahead. And even what is success, right? It's the hierarchical, it's promotions, it's more money. It has to do with numbers and titles, right? And there's nothing wrong with that inherently. Right. It's just different. And for most women, we don't realize, again, the system that we are part of that was built by people that don't have our genitalia, our energetics, our different mm-hmm. ways of thinking. And how do we, if we're in that system, how do we say goodbye to the things that aren't working and, and create what's right for us? Or for me and many women, how do we leave that system because we want to build something else? And then how do we share that wealth of knowledge with others? I think what you said about the definition of success is really important because that was my big aha aha moment outside of not feeling super great or burnout and things like that, but realizing that my definition of success was not the system's definition of success. And what that looked like for me was balance, a say over my time and what I did when, the ability to be wherever I wanted to be to do what I loved. And I think that mindset shift was probably one of the biggest game changers for me in this journey. I'd like to talk a little bit about, we talked about this before, but there's a lot of high performing women and 
a lot of high-performing women are either feeling very lonely or they're single and feel lonely, or they can feel lonely in a room full of people. And I'd love to dive into a little bit of that since you work with so many high-performing women. Like, what what do you see like behind that? Like, why are so many high-performing women feeling that solitude? So I will generalize in my response. So for anyone that is that's not me, that's totally cool. A lot of us are high performing because we're avoiding something and we are enjoying tapping into the dopamine hits of achievement. And it's so much more fun to get that promotion, like finish that proposal, sign that Mm -hmm. client, get that pay raise, whatever it is, instead of let's look under the hood at our family trauma. And like, why are we always in fight or flight mode? And like, why do I work myself to the brink of exhaustion? I don't look at that. Let's make more money. Let's get that corner office. And I can't blame (laughs) anybody for that. I did that for a very long time and I'm still uncovering vestiges of that and that place. One of the things that I promised myself this past year was that I'm not going to do anything in my business, even if it's working, if it doesn't feel good. That's my edge, my next level edge that I'm playing with right now and and working with my clients as well. But what a lot of us are doing, really, it's very convenient to not look at that shit and not deal with that shit of being a, a human when you're busy all the time and when your busyness can create like amazing results that like make you feel really proud and make everybody clap for you. And it's like the same thing with relationship. Like when you're in relationship with somebody, like you're going to look at some ugly shit in there. You're going to have your reactions. You're going to get triggered and there's beautiful healing opportunities there. But in general, the loneliness can come from this place of just, it's so much easier in a way to be alone and to just be monofocused and to rely on yourself and rely on your skills and just walk that path to do good or to get those accolades, like being in connection, being in relationship, like slowing down, like feeling your feeling, like you're seeing my face, like there's some stuff down there that like in the beginning, it, it can feel scary or can feel overwhelming or for most of your life, You've been able to avoid it and do all the high performing, I'm good at life things. But but uh, that's what a lot of people found during the pandemic when like mm-hmm. life slowed down and just we're suddenly at home. And for people that were in relationship, a lot of them were like, wait, who am I married to? Or what's going on here? <laughs> that's what happens when you stop being so busy. You start feeling stuff and paying attention to stuff and hearing yourself. And it can be scary in the beginning. You didn't have to call me out so hard, <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> Hashtag me too. Okay. Hashtag <laughs> me too in that way. Like, good grief. Yeah, because I've had this conversation with my therapist a lot is when I find that my calendar is overbooked or I'm feeling overwhelmed and there's so much to do, it's usually because I'm avoiding facing something that I either don't want to do or... I don't want to face. I don't want to deal with it. And it's really interesting because like I've done 10 years, like the last 10 years of like healing work and like really digging into that family trauma and those responses and trying to get out of fight or flight and all of that. And it's interesting how I recently, I started dating again a year ago and how that has started to bring up some things I didn't think were an issue anymore. Because once you start to introduce other people into the mix, right, like it's completely different. And now that I've, I have slowed down 
and I'm not doing, 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 I have to process it. Like I can't, it's not even that I have to process it. It's that I don't want to let it get to that point where I was a few, like five, six years ago, where I was completely burnt out, completely like isolated and just exhausted all the time and no fun to be around, to be quite honest. Yes. Again, me too. I, I totally understand because you sacrifice a lot that you don't realize in order to be high performing, to be in that push energy all the time. It's just not sustainable, whether it's a month or a year or six years, it's going to catch up with you and being in that achievement energy and that push energy and that lean in energy. It's just our system is not built for that, especially as feminine creatures. <laughs> it's just not, it's just not sustainable for it. It's it's like going to war all the time. And there's something that I just tell my clients to remember, which is just even just the act of feeling is healing within itself. Like slowing down and just giving yourself permission to be with yourself, to feel some shit. Like that is a healing that you can create for yourself. Just again, I'm into simple. So it doesn't always have to be like crazy explosive, like therapy breakthroughs and just, just so many swings or anything. Just this simple act of permission, time for yourself, going a little deeper can be really powerful. Even getting to the place where you can name what you're feeling is huge. Because I think for many, for at least for me, I, I grew up in a very like abusive household. It was very traumatic, but I couldn't even name my emotions when I started the healing work. Like I had anger and that was it (laughs) essentially like the nuance and the different tools that you can use to help you name those. Like that was such a breakthrough for me, just being able to say, I feel sad, not angry, or I feel lonely, not depressed. Yeah. It was so huge. Yeah. I, in the beginning, what I, the only thing I could manage was to say, I'm feeling something. That was the the space that I could give myself because I, in order to understand what that feeling was, I needed more space, more time, more like safety. So just for anyone out there, that's like, how the hell am I supposed to do this? Sometimes it can just be like, I'm feeling something, or there's something online that people can Google. It's called like the emotions wheel. And it's so good. Okay. Amazing. Exactly. So obsessed with it. Give yourself a language. Like my parents are refugees from another country. We did not have time to talk about feelings. Like we had to survive stuff. We had to make money. We had to get safe. And I respect that a hundred percent things my parents needed to do, but these weren't like skills or conversations that I was raised with. So just in case someone thinks you need to be raised on some kind of commune where you know this from childhood, absolutely not. I only started learning this in my twenties. (laughs) I think I was closer to 30 (laughs) when I started doing this, but I, that's so true. And I think that brings up a good point too. Like we talked about the trauma bond that we can form in like that cycle. And part of, I think the healing process is recognizing that the tool sets were different. So like you said, like they didn't have the skills or this conversation about these skills. Like my parents definitely did not have that skill or that those tools in their toolkit to help them manage and regulate. They were doing the best they could based on what they knew and what was shown to them. And I think that is a really important piece of the healing journey is that compassion and empathy for that too. Recognizing, hey, 
I know you did the best you could with what you had, but also being able to still set healthy boundaries when you need to, especially if you were that person that everybody relied on or people didn't have to worry about because you were high achieving, like is really, for me, it was a really important piece of the journey. Yeah. And what's coming up for me hearing you speak, aside from the fact that I can really tell how much work you've done with yourself and it's just really beautiful to to feel that in you and to see another woman in that journey is again, back to the loneliness thing, how much we had to depend on ourselves, how much we had to pull up our own bootstraps and figure shit out for ourselves and keep ourselves safe. And just how that is its own trauma that we can find ourselves in where we're afraid to be a burden on other people, where we're afraid to make people uncomfortable by sharing too much, where we're shamed for our feelings or for our humanity. Mm -hmm. And and I want to say something that was profoundly um, healing and surprising for me in the beginning was what happened when I started giving the people around me the opportunity to step up for me, um, the opportunity to be there for me, especially my now husband, because I was so conditioned to think men don't like emotional women. Men are, don't, they don't want to deal with this stuff. They don't want to see a woman cry. And, and there was a lot of conditioning that I had to work through in order to give my husband the opportunity to be the man that I needed, but also the man that he wanted to be for me as his partner too. Okay. I'm going to cry. Wouldn't be the first time, but I love that because high achieving so easily turns into hyper independence. And especially like I've been single most of my adult life because I've been working through so many things that I had to get through, right? To get to the point where I even liked myself, let alone somebody else or even could trust somebody else. And the mindset became nobody else is going to do it for me. And it has been so hard to let go of that. And I'm now, I'm currently dating somebody and it has been a journey because I'm like, he's going to think I'm crazy. Like he is, he is. You just have to get right with that though. (laughs) Listen, I'm nuts. I'm, it's fine. I'm a good time. Okay. I'm a fun crazy, but no, like the things that you were saying about letting people step up for you and show you. And be the person they want to be for you, but also the person you need is so powerful. And I think it's something that, honestly, I think that's like the next step in my personal journey is stepping back and letting that happen. And even from the standpoint of letting them take the lead on making plans which is nerve wracking. Because where? what are you going to do with that need to control everything and make sure everything's okay and that you're safe? What are you going to do when you don't hold on to it like that? <laughs> don't at me, Michelle. God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, I'm just... No, it's fine. I need that. <laughs> I know. But like, I just think is the reason that I can laugh about it and just to have a really open conversation in this way with you is I've just worked with so many women at this point and they've all said the same thing at the beginning. That's not possible. And men aren't like that. And he's not going to want to do that. And, and just, and again, hashtag me too here. I don't mean to turn this into a me too episode, yeah. but I was raised the same way. Like I watched the dynamic between my mom and my dad. And again, they did the best that they could. And I don't want to sit and out them. They're just human beings trying to figure out their stuff. Just like I'm a human being trying to figure out my stuff, but you just examples of that, that like condition you in a certain way of that you're going to need to 
you're going to need to martyr yourself. Or if you want anything, the one I always heard was, if you want anything done, you have to do it yourself. yourself. It's done right. You have to do it yourself. Or if they don't offer, it means that they don't want to do it. There was just so many messages living in my brain about what people really thought. And if they really wanted to be there. And after a while, it was really fucking depressing (laughs) for me, but also you're robbing people around you from loving you and from stepping up for you and from being there for you. And that's what relationships are. It's like how we're there for each other. And so at some point you got to take ownership for your part in what, what you might also be doing. And this is something that I teach on really strongly that relationships, if they're a 50, 50, no, the relationships are a hundred, hundred, which is why I teach about no compromise. I don't believe in meeting in the middle or dumbing down what you want and they dumb down what they want. Nobody's going to be happy here. We each have to show up with our full authentic 100, what our needs are, what our energy is and meet in that place and create together. We owe it to ourselves and we owe it to our partners to do that. Yeah. Like you're a whole person looking for a whole person, but what you just said about if they don't offer, then they don't want to do it. Just like light bulb for me, like as one of my things that I have not worked through. So thank you for that. But I think that applies not just in romantic relationships or partnerships, right? Like I last fall, actually around the time that this podcast launched, I was, I was on Sad Bitch Island, like real aggressively. I was not in a great place. And it was probably the, the biggest depressive episode I'd had probably since college. And it was rough. And a lot of it was because I was like, nobody else is going to do it for me. And I wasn't even, I I have been really privileged. I've moved, I moved to East Tennessee and I'm near some family here, some like aunts and cousins. And it has been so emotionally supportive and so healthy for me to see a supportive family dynamic. But what I realized was I'd seen it, but I kept myself separate from it even though they don't see me as separate from it, as far as they're concerned, like I am, I am an integral part of the family dynamic here. But for me, I always kept myself a little separate because I was like, oh, they already have their own stuff going on. I'm not like, I'm a cousin. And when I hit that rock bottom, they sat me down and were like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> Where you been? What's going on? Why aren't you talking to us? Because we're here to help you. And they're like, but you have to let us help you. And that was such a big thing for me to realize and then to even just let happen. Like they found me some resources for what I needed and all of these things that I just didn't have the emotional, mental, or physical bandwidth to do at the time and showed up for me in such a way. But I had to let them show up for me. I had to. Sh- actually be honest with them about what was going on. And that was really fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. It's scary to be weak and vulnerable mm-hmm. and needy and not have your shit together. And I've been to Sad Bitch Island many times. So we've probably been ships passing. <laughs> you know, but, but that's the thing. It's in a way it's safe to be alone, right? Mm-hmm. For so many high achieving women and especially just modern women, there's that that thinking of, I don't need a a man. And it's not about what your sexual orientation is, but just that idea. I don't need anybody else. I can make my own money. I can buy whatever I want. I can travel wherever I want. Like it's true. Like you can 
do all those things alone. I don't think it's a question of if you're capable or not. It's just we're human beings and are to be in connection and to be in family, whatever family looks like for you. And, and to have the privilege of doing it with other people, to have the privilege of being loved, of receiving. These are all, these are all things that I, I guess they're just maybe concepts or things that maybe we weren't used to from growing up with people that were in survival mode or that were not as emotionally or spiritually literate or into personal development. Most of our families were, they're not coming from that or not having those conversations or doing those energy practices together or anything like that. And I guess it really comes down to what do we want to feel and what do we want to experience and what do we want our lives and our relationships to be like and understand that we're that common denominator in all of that. Like it's our life and, and we can't be responsible for everything, but what are the things that we can be responsible for and how do we take that responsibility and create what we want and be the person that we want to be that has the things that we want to have? I love that. I love that a lot. Cause I do think, I do think that there's like something to be said for showing yourself, you can do certain things. If you're trying to prove it to yourself, like I know I have some friends who were always like, I don't know how you travel internationally on your own. And I was like, one, I had to do it for work. So I really didn't have a choice. But even before that, I did a study abroad in another country, but it was just me. And it wasn't like peak study abroad season. So there weren't a lot of students, but I learned how I handle stressful situations. I learned what I actually enjoy doing on a vacation so that now when I go with friends and I share those experiences, I can voice what it is that, hey, these are the types of things I like to do on vacation. I'm not a I'm not a sit on the beach girl. I'm just not. And that was a tough thing for some of my friends to swallow. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a sit on the beach girl, <laughs> but I'll go with you on an adventure. I'll jump like, into a cenote with you anytime. <laughs> you put me in a hammock in the mountains, I'm there. But sitting on the beach, maybe it's because I'm from Florida. I don't know. But <laughs> it's just not my idea of a good time. It's hot. It's gross. You got to trek stuff, sands everywhere. Give me a pool. I'm good. I'll sit by a pool. Yeah, I'll, meet you, I'll meet you at the pool. That's fine. <laughs> But I think, but I think it's the prolonged doing things by yourself and the prolonged, I've got to do it on my own. And I think you're, you're so right that we were not built to live like on an Island by ourselves. And I think the pandemic woke a lot of people up to that too. Like people started reconnecting or reaching out more frequently. And I think there was some good things that came out of that. People realized, like you said, Hey, this is not the life I want to be living. And it forced us to slow down and look at that. I want to hear about the have it all method because you mentioned that. And I am so curious because like you mentioned, like the Cosmo articles and like all of the magazines, like how you can have it all, but like all of their stuff is mostly bullshit. So I'd love to hear from you. What is that method? Like, how does that look? What does that look like working with your clients? Oh, thank you for asking. I'm excited to talk about that. And I'd like to start by saying that Yes, you can have it all, <laughs> but <laughs> every person has their own version of what having it all looks like or feels. And I'm not interested in anybody living the way that I'm living or doing what I'm doing for my clients, for every woman out there. I'm genuinely curious and interested in who you are and what you want. And then how good you can let it be and how we can remove any blocks or ways that you get in the way from letting it be as good as you want to be. So the methodology that I created, there's three pillars 
And the first one is all about honoring yourself, your energy, being 100% unapologetic about who you are, who you want to be, taking up like space and just embodying your next level full energy. Just it's a feeling, it's like a way of walking down the street, walking into a room. And the way that my clients describe it is that you just, you have this expectation that everybody in the world, that everybody wants to play with you. Everybody wants to play with you. Everybody wants to meet you. Everybody wants to give you stuff. So it's showing up to a restaurant. And then a minute later, there's a line out the door of people like after you or like walking onto an airplane and the stewardess just has a couple of extra glasses of champagne and she just wants to give them to you or just that kind of vibe. And everyone's energy is different. So it's uncovering what your unique energy is in that and just how you really see and feel yourself. The next pillar of the have it all method is about claiming your desire, about being just super fucking honest about what you want, what lights you up, what turns you on, what gives you energy, what's good for you, and also what's not good for you, and owning it and expressing it and creating situations where you get to have it and you get to receive it and it gets to be good for you. And then the third pillar, which I think is really unique and special and important is all about igniting your relationships. And the way that I teach is focused on masculine and feminine energetic dynamics. You don't have to be heterosexual to do this work. Absolutely not. But it's an energetic system. And it's about whatever polarity you're in, how to be your full self to receive what you want and how to activate and inspire and co-create with your partner so that they can be in their full expression and you guys can have the life of your dreams together. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I love everything about play that. With me. Um, play. It's, it is. It's about, yeah. it's about doing the things that light you up. It's about feeling your best. It's about honoring yourself. And it's about being in relationships and creating relationships that do the same. Yeah. I like the play aspect too, because then there's some of us haven't thought about what we want or what we enjoy in so long that you have to play, you have to try some things in order to figure out what that is. Giving yourself the permission to do that can be really huge. Mm. Yeah, I'd say the word permission comes up a lot where it's just truly a lot of times we're not giving ourselves that permission. We have these unspoken rules in our head about what we should or shouldn't do or what we're allowed to do or that we see it reinforced again in like our family structures and in our society. But it's just up to us. It's at the end of the day, even if it's your mom's voice in your head, it's your head. It's it's technically you that's playing that in there over and over again. And <laughs> You can program that and you can unprogram that too. I love that. Yeah. We just, in the episode I did with Natanya about ADHD, it's a lot of that you can program and unprogram your brain, especially when it comes to the way you think about things and the way you frame them yourself. It like actually does like you can actually rewire your brain. Yes. Yes. I'm um, when you do those types of things. I'm a somatic therapist, but I'm also a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner. And NLP is was developed in the 70s when they were developing computer codes and languages. And so that's the same sort of hypothesis that our brains come out fresh, more or less. And so yeah. everything that's in there has been programmed through what we've been taught, what we've observed, what we've experienced. There's those programs in there. And we can change those programs because beliefs are just 
thoughts that we've decided are true. That's just literally all it is. So you can decide other ones are true. Some might be a little more entrenched than others, but it's completely possible to do that. I love that. Honestly, I'm probably going to have you, I'm going to need to have you back because I want to hear about somatic therapy. It has been something that I have gone down the Google rabbit hole about, but I really want to learn more about it. It's something that I feel is like, probably one of my next steps. So I would love to have you on to talk a little bit about that at some point. My pleasure. Because I don't always trust the Googles. The Googles, even then, even if you think about somatic therapy, soma means body. And when you're on the internet, you're reading things, you're like understanding things, but it's different from having a physical experience. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Thank you so much. I have just, I have so enjoyed this conversation. Oh, thank you. I, I too, I really just, I love social media for the way it connects us, but then I really just yearn for a deeper connection and a deeper conversation. And I, I hope, if anything, that this kind of conversation just helps other women feel comfortable feeling or thinking like whatever's going on in there. And I just know from the, so many women that I've worked with, the groups that I do, that we always think that it's just us. We feel so isolated, so alone, like we're the only ones going through it. And I always remind my clients that the individual stories might be different, but the, the experience is so shared and so universal. And there's even more healing, like when you can just be with other women that are honest and real, and we can really just see each other and be with each other in this way. So that's what this feels like for me. Oh, I love that. I'm so happy to hear that because that's definitely been my goal with this podcast is to be able to have some of these conversations and just help people feel a little bit less alone. (laughs) That's beautiful. Can I give your listeners a gift? Uh, Always. Okay, cool. I have this new (laughs) thing I'm really excited about. I've been teaching it to my clients, but I turn it into a tool. It's called the satisfaction assessment. Okay. And it's this amazing little tool that I'm giving away on my website, which is haveitallqueen.com, where you get to do an inventory of everything in your life, in your career, in your relationships, and how your relationship with yourself and just all the things, and really identify what's working, what isn't working, and have very actionable, easy next steps to remove anything in your life that doesn't feel good for you or that you don't want to do anymore. I'm going to be running over there to take this. right after this. And we'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes because that sounds, I I can't wait to take it and see. And it's, I love that. I just, I'm so excited. Thank you so much again. So you gave us your website. Where else can people find you and connect with you and learn more about the Have It All method? I'm everywhere. So you can go to haveitallqueen.com. On Facebook, you can look up that words or my name, Michelle Kanan. You can Google Satisfied Wife. That's my LLC and a lot of things will pop up. I'm also on Instagram, Michelle Kanan. Yeah, but I love, I honestly, again, with the connection thing, if anyone's listening and just DM me, let's just chat. I'll send you whatever links that you want. I'd love to know what's something that you want to move through an upper limit that you have, something that you really want for yourself. And I'd love to show you how easy it can be to make that real. I love that. I love that so much. Oh my gosh, Michelle. Okay. So we're definitely going to have you back (laughs) and I can't wait for our next conversation. Thank you again. Thanks, Katie. It's so good to be here. Thanks for joining us on Ditch the Ick. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Ditch the Ick Pod. You can shoot us DMs, listener stories. In our highlights, you'll see some listener story prompts. You can share them with us anonymously or with your name. It's up to you. But we always love to connect and get to know you on social. 
And if you haven't already, head to patreon.com slash ditch the egg. You'll see a couple of different levels where you can subscribe and get access to exclusive content, get early access to the videos. In some cases, you get first dibs on listener stories. So make sure you head over there and subscribe. It really helps keep this going. If you're looking to join the community, meet some other single people, maybe you need some new friends, share your thoughts, comments, responses to the episode, you can head over to Facebook. We've got a free private group called Ditch the Ick, and it's going to be a really safe space for us to share our stories, connect, and make friends.